Today we start a new series, and to some degree this is right in the heart of it, where I've called this peel, uh, what's under your skin. The suggestion here is that during the course of this series, as we look at uh, these nine characteristics of the fruit of the Spirit that Paul writes about, that we will be peeling back layers and layers and layers uh, to see what's actually in our heart, to examine our character, and to see uh, what God wants to do in us in order to move us into the next season of our lives, closer to being the people that God wants us to be. Come on, ask the person next to you, what's under your skin? What's under your skin? <laughs> there was uh, any of you who are the music, I think it was Frank Sinatra used to sing a song, I got you <laughs> under my skin. You know, <laughs> we want to have God under our skin doing this, doing this series. So, Galatians chapter 5, if you don't stand please, and we're, we'll read, uh, let's honor the reading of God's word. Lays out these characteristics, beginning at verse 22. Listen to what Paul says. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. It's the Holy Spirit that produces this kind of fruit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. Shout amen. God meet us in this time of teaching and open our minds and change our hearts. And would you fill us with your presence? In Jesus' name, amen. Please be seated. When uh, Christians talk about God, think about God, we talk about God in terms of what we call the triunity of God, which we get the word Trinity. Everybody shout Trinity. Trinity. And uh, what that ultimately means is that uh, God is one God in essence, in being. And yet, that one God exists in three expressions, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We talk about the Father or the Creator, the Son, the one who redeems us and the Holy Spirit, the one who lives in us and sustains us and lives through those who are believers. There's a beautiful picture of this uh, that is painted by uh, the writer Luke in chapter 3. And uh, look, at this, look at this picture here in the, I think it's verse 21, they're going to throw it up on the screen. Uh, look at this, you'll see this, this beautiful picture of the the triunity of God, if you will. As a matter of fact, uh, the theologians put it this way, that God is able to live in perfect community with God's self. Watch this here. It says, one day when the crowds were being baptized, Jesus himself were, was baptized. As he was praying, the heavens opened. And the Holy Spirit, shout Holy Spirit, in a bodily form descended on him like a dove. And a voice from heaven said, you are my dearly loved son and you bring me great 
joy. And in right there in that verse, you see Jesus who's standing, uh, if you will, in the water, having been baptized, the Holy Spirit bodily resting on him in the form of the dove and the voice of the Father declaring from heaven, you are my beloved son, in the words of the King James Verse, in whom I'm well pleased. You see the total picture right there, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Now, I lift this because we do a lot of talking about uh, Father and Son. We don't do a lot of talking about the Holy Spirit, but the Holy Spirit is what I want to focus on today, uh, what we call the third person of the, of the Trinity. Everybody shout, the Holy Spirit. And the reason why I want to talk about it is because it's at the very essence of what Paul is teaching in the book of Galatians. Let me give you the context, and I encourage you guys to read the book of Galatians. It's only six chapters, and you've got, uh, we're going to work through this over the course of the next several weeks. Time for you to read it. Here's what's going on in the book of Galatians. Paul has planted a church community in a, in a place, Providence, called Galatia. And people believed in Jesus. They believed the gospel he preached, and he went on his way. And then some new people came into that community and says that the gospel that, called, that Paul preached was an inferior gospel. And that what Paul said to you is that all you need to do is to believe in Jesus Christ, that he is fully God and fully human, that he died on Calvary's cross for your sin, that he got up with all power of heaven and earth in your hands, and that you will be saved, that you will have eternal life. And they say, Paul missed it. That's just too easy. What, 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 what you, you need to believe all that, these people said, but you also need to add to that the keeping of the Jewish law. And so you need to be circumcised and you need to start keeping the law because we're concerned that if you just believe that, your behavior will be so destructive in the world. So don't trust Paul. So Paul writes back a letter to this this. Church, and he basically, uh, in the words of my, my grandaunt, he had to get them straight. <laughs> so he, he, he talks about his credentials and all that, and then basically he says this, no, 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 guys. You see, all you need to do is believe that Jesus was the Son of God, that he died for your sins, that he got up with all the sword of heaven and earth in his hands, and that you... Claim him as your Lord and Savior and that you suddenly become a part of his family. You don't want to start measuring, modifying your, your behavior based on the law because when you modify your behavior, that just doesn't last that long. Here's what happens. When Jesus becomes your Lord, Paul says... The Holy Spirit moves into your life. And if you would allow the Holy Spirit to have his way in your heart, in your character, you will not need a Jewish law. That Holy Spirit will change you from the inside out. When your heart changes, your walk changes. You see what I'm saying? When your heart changes, your talk changes. You see, when your heart changes, it changes how you interact with people. You don't, you don't need a law. You need the Spirit of God within you. Everybody shout Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. Now, I want you to realize how powerful that statement is. So I'm going to take a little time here as we set this up, series of, to just talk about the different ways in which the Bible talks about the Holy Spirit. The first way the Bible talks about the Holy Spirit, you'll find it in Genesis chapter 1, actually was in verse 2. You'll recall that verse 1 begins, that God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was formless and empty, 
And it goes on to say, uh, and darkness covered the deep waters. And here it is. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. I just love this. Everybody shout hovering. Hovering, hovering. This is the, the first form of creation is chaos, you see. And the suggestion is, listen now, is that, that where it looked dark and it looked chaotic, looked like there was nothing going on. But it says God's spirit was hovering, or another word is brooding, or it's kind of like the hen sitting on the nest. Come on now. That, that God in all of his creativity was attending to the chaos. And at the right time, God was going to declare, let there be light. And creation would come forth in all of its beauty. Tell the person next to you, God's hovering over your chaos. He's hovering over your chaos. He's hovering over your chaos. He looks like it's out of control. It looks like there's nothing going right in your life. But, but, but he brought you here today to say, I'm hovering and I'm a creative God. And I can take chaos and bring great creation out of it. He's hovering. He's hovering. All right, now here's the insight about, about how God's spirit, this, this notion of God's spirit, here's the insight. I told you last weekend that so often we like to isolate God. We say, well, we left God in the church. We say, well, God's spirit is only found particularly in the religious context. And this is the secular context over here. But notice the text says that God's spirit hovers over creation. And that means that the full expression of creation, watch this, is full of his, his, his own uh, uh, creative presence. So what, what, what do you mean by here? Here's the psalmist puts it this way. The earth is the Lord, Psalms 24. And everything that's in it and all of the people that live in it, he has founded upon the seas and established it upon the waters. And what the what psalmist says that the entire earth, watch it now, is God's, is God's workshop. He's at work all over the world. He's not just in the church. He's, he, he's, he's beyond the church. He doesn't just work with Christians. Come on now. He's beyond. The, uh, he's not just in America, y'all. Come on. He's beyond our country. He's not just in the Western Hemisphere. All over the world, God's spirit is at work engaging life. And God is present in ways we don't even see. When you hear a song that moves you to tears, that creativity reflects God's gifting. When you hear, when you, when you see a, a, a piece of art that blesses your heart. When, when, you, when, you, when, you, when you read about a discovery, whether it's, it's, uh, whether it's uh, 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 mathematics in Egypt or the automobile or the light bulb or the internet, it all reflects a God that has hovered and his creativity is at work. Now, let me bring it to right where you live. My wife is sitting here. She's a, a doctor. And what some of you may not know is that she was two classes away from securing a master's degree in English literature with a job offer on the table to be an English teacher at the University of Arkansas at Pine Bluff. And that close to a paycheck. <laughs> I was a young pastor, y'all. Come on now, pastor, a little small church. And she was that close, y'all, to a paycheck. And she came to me one day and said, the Lord has spoke to me. And he said, he's calling me to medicine. Medicine? What does that have to do with English literature? <laughs> 
And so I suggested to her that she would, you know, test it, and we had dialogue, so forth and so on. Ultimately, it came down to whether or not she was going to believe God's word. And so on one occasion, Rhonda tells this story profoundly well. She says that she had been wrestling with God, and she was in our, uh, our apartment one day, and, and God whispered to her. He said, okay, you, hey, I'm going to prove to you that I, that, that I have called you. So take a sheet of paper, tear it up into ten equal pieces, write yes on one piece, ball up all ten of the pieces. He says, here's what you're going to do. I want you to turn your back. By the way, don't y'all try this when you go home. <laughs> this is a unique prescription from God to Rhonda. He deals with us all uniquely, all right? And so he said, I want you to and turn your back to the bed. He says, when you throw it over your head, only one piece is going to remain on the bed. And if that one piece is yes, then you know I've spoken. So I was like, yes, really, right. So she takes all the timber, she throws it over here. And you expect two or three people to land on the ball. And they, they, a number of them bounce on the bed, but they bounce on and off and off and off and off. And there's only one piece of paper left on the bed. And she gets the piece of paper, she opens it, and it says, yes. Now you would think that would have been sufficient. Now, my wife, this is like, this could be like really coincidental here. God, I need at least one more sign. Shout one more sign. So God said, I'm going to get, this is it. <laughs> if you don't get it from here, I, I, I can't help you. He said, this is it. Says, he says, if you turn the TV on right now, Jeopardy is on. And he says, and if the, if the final Jeopardy question has anything to do with medicine, that's my sign. Rhonda looked at the clock. Lo and behold, it was the time for Jeopardy. <laughs> she turns the TV on. Just in time to hear Alex Quebec say, and the final Jeopardy category is, and it popped up, medical history. Can we give God a hand praise here? His spirit hovers, 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 hovers. All right. Well, I'm telling you this, sir. Well, Rhonda and I, for years, we've been wondering, wow, God went through all of that to call you into medicine. And we was like thinking like, man, God must be up to something big. Like, how is he going to use you? Maybe, like, maybe he's going to use you to cure cancer, uh, uh, you know, wipe out Alzheimer's. I, maybe, 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 I mean, obviously, if he's going to go through all of that to call you to be a doctor, it's got to be something big. As I was thinking the other day, and it dawned on me that more than likely, most likely, it would be sufficient if God went through all of that to call Rhonda to be a doctor because he knew that she was going to be married to me. And I would be standing on stages like this all over the place in addition to our own testimony. And I've got a big mouth and I'm going to be broadcasting the goodness of God. And what people are going to figure out is that you don't have to be a priest or a nun 
or pastor or an elder or rabbi or deacon for God to call you. That his spirit hovers all over the earth. Come on now. That he's calling doctors and lawyers and electricians and software engineers. Come on now. He's calling folk to rise up in politics. He's got people in the Republican and the Democrat and the progressive. Come on. And the evangelical and the conservative. He got people everywhere. He's calling all of us who are his followers to play our role in the world. It was so dramatic so that I could point out to you today that you ended up where you are, not merely because of your ingenuousness, but because his spirit was hovering over your life. Isn't that wonderful? Come on, give God a hand praise. That excites me. Another way in which the Bible talks about the Holy Spirit is he talks about the Holy Spirit in terms of the word feels. He, 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 he feels us. Whole denominations have been built around this. And so, uh, so let me just uh, state that. But I want to I I just pull out uh, uh, just a simple insight, uh, observation that is, is, is observed here. Uh, Luke writes two books in the New Testament. He writes the Gospel of Luke and Acts. And one thing that you'll notice when you read the book of Luke or Acts is that he focuses uh, a, a whole lot on the Holy Spirit. And one of the ways he talks about the Holy Spirit, watch this, is he talks about the Holy Spirit feeling. Now, we've heard this. Some of us heard it in our context, feel, being filled, being baptized, uh, being overshadowed, overtaken. Luke does a lot of discussion about this. Here's the insight that you'll discover most of the time when Luke writes about the Holy Spirit filling our lives. What he's talking about is a moment over which the God's Spirit overshadows us. And immediately it empowers us to do something with God that we could not do by ourselves. Let me say it again. It empowers us to do something with God that we could not do by ourselves. It lifts the natural to the supernatural dimension. Let me, let me, let me prove it. In Acts chapter 2, verse 4 the followers of Jesus after his death and resurrection and ascension have gathered in an upper room. They've been, they've been praying for weeks because they heard that if they prayed, God was going to send a gift. And the passage tells us that the Holy Spirit came into that room like a mighty rushing wind. And watch this particular verse. Here's what he says. Now watch, watch what I says. And everyone present was, come on, shout, say it with me, filled with the Holy Spirit. Watch, now they were filled. Now I said it always in power. Watch this. And what? began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. First they were filled, then they were able to speak in other languages that they didn't go to school to learn to speak. Feel supernatural ability. All right? Go to uh, Acts chapter 4, verse 31. Uh, Peter and John has been arrested because in a spirit-filled moment, they healed a guy who was sick. And they were arrested and threatened. 
They returned to the church community like this. They reported to the church community. And in an atmosphere where people were scared to death to say anything because they had been threatened that if you, if you suggest that you know anything about Jesus, we're going to kill you. Watch what happens. After this, they went into a prayer meeting. And the meeting place shook. And they were all what? Say it with me. Filled with the Holy Spirit. Watch. Then comes an action. Then they preach the word of God with what? Boldness. In other words, God supernaturally empowered them. So they say, I don't care what they say. We're going to preach who Jesus Christ is. Do with us what you will. Supernatural empowerment. Now you think that's just in the New Testament. Well, no, no, no. It's in the Jewish scriptures as well. Right? Old Testament. Go to 1 Samuel chapter 10. And Saul will have been picked out by God through his prophet to be the first king of Israel. In the first verse, first few verses of that chapter, uh, God, the prophet says, look, God's called you. He's going to show you three signs, just like Rhonda, three signs that's going to prove that he's called you to be the ruler. The third sign is going to be you're going to walk up on a group of prophets. And even though you're not really religious yourself, the Holy Spirit, God's going to come on you. And you're going to do something you couldn't do on your own. Start prophesying. Watch it. Verse 10, here, here, here it is. When Saul and his servants arrived at Gibeah, they saw a group of prophets coming towards them. Then the Spirit of God came powerfully upon Saul. That's another way of saying he was filled with God's Spirit. And he too began what? Supernaturally with God, what he couldn't do on his own. My last example, my favorite example is this, is, is uh, Micah. Chapter 3, he's standing before the religious and political courts of his day, and he's telling them, you guys have been totally disobedient to God, and even though you want to kill me, I don't care what you think, God has empowered me. Verse 8, here's what he says. But as for me, I'm filled with power, with the Spirit of the Lord, just in case you don't know what the power is. I'm filled with a sense of justice and strength. Here it is. To what? Boldly, that's supernaturally empowered. Declare Israel's sins and rebellion. Do what you will with me. All right, let me give you two examples out of history. One out of history, one out of my, my life. Feeling and then the empowerment. Most of you may or may not know that Dr. King, we've all, know, we've all heard of Dr. Martin Luther King's speech, I Have a Dream. Many of us may know that that wasn't the title of the speech. The title of the speech was, was Freedom, Jobs, and Justice. That was the title of the speech. And you may not know that the part that became most famous about the speech was not in the speech. Didn't exist in the manuscript. Here's what happened. So Dr. King is going along, giving what is quite an eloquent speech, but in the, in the African-American tradition, if you're preaching... And you start to lose the crowd. The people have a way of helping you to figure out what's going on. <laughs> and so Mahalia Jackson was sitting right behind. Listen. And, 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 and she was listening. She was seeing. He was beginning to lose the crowd. And, and, and watch this. Holy Spirit begins right here. And Mahalia hollers out. Tell him about your dream that you had, Martin. And, and, and almost on key, you, you'll watch the video, you'll see it, you'll see it. He's reading his manuscript, and then he looks up, and for the next section, he says, despite of the difficulties of the day and tomorrow, 
I still have a dream. And he just goes off script. It doesn't exist. It doesn't exist. Now, historians will say it was a moment of inspiration. Come on now. But even if you look at the word inspiration, in the, in the, the root of the word inspiration is spirit. Spirit inspired. And what I'm saying, watch, he goes off script. And when he finishes, come on now, God takes what is natural, come on, and he elevates it to an unnatural place. 50 plus years later, we don't know anything else in that speech, but those words, I have a dream, has has started revolutions all over the world. You see the point? God filled him in the moment. All right, let me give you a personal example. Now, as you listen to me, I'm watching young people and people who say, wow, do you have to? I'm talking about about what God wants to do in your life. I'm talking about the Holy Spirit has brought you here. He says, I want to get active in your life. I want to feel, I want to overshadow you. A number of years ago, I was pastoring Rock's Press, and I preached on domestic violence on this particular Sunday. Come to find out I had to, an appointment I was supposed to preach that evening at a Brazilian congregation about an hour and a half outside of Boston. I went up there and said, asked the Lord, okay, what am I going to preach? And the sense of the Lord just said, just preach what you preached this morning. So I went into this Brazilian congregation and I said, I went there by myself. I didn't have nobody with me. I just drove up there by myself. And I had a guy translating Portuguese. And I just started preaching domestic violence. And within five minutes, I wish you could have been there, it was stone silence. Then the tension began to rise thick. I immediately recognized, feel like I stepped in something. I, I, I did not know that domestic violence was a major issue in the community. But I knew I had stepped in something. Come on now. <laughs> and then right in the middle of it, it was as though the best way I describe it is talking about that supernatural boldness. It was as though God dropped a, a spiritual fence around me and I felt empowered and I just started. I just stretched out. Didn't just gave it all I had. About 15 minutes in, a breaking happened through the congregation. People started screaming and shouting and running to the altar. And the altar was full. And when I got through praying with people, the pastor, come on, the, the, the associate pastor came and kneeled down next to me and said, Pastor, would you pray for me? Because he had been a source of domestic violence. And then I didn't know. I'm talking about a God-filled moment. They were recording it. I didn't know. And they sent the tape to Brazil. And several weeks later, I got an invitation from the ministerial group in Brazil and said, Pastor, will you come preach to us? And I went out to Brazil and I preached 30 times in 20 days across the coast of Brazil. That is, that is, that's a spirit-filled moment where God takes the natural and elevates it. You don't have to be a preacher. God is saying to some teenager, yeah, I want to have a spirit-filled moment in your life. He's, he's saying to some parent that's ready to give up, I want to have a spirit-filled moment in your life to give you courage to keep on going. Come on now, he's saying to somebody who's struggling with sickness, I want, to, I, want, I want to have a spirit-filled moment in your life, like Brother Rios, to give you the capacity, come on now, to surrender to me, but don't give up on life. Come on now, I want to have a spirit-filled moment. 
I know you think you're broken and you're flawed, but did you not know everybody I use is broken and flawed? Wow. He said, I'm looking for you. Shout the Holy Spirit. The third way, and I've backed into the Galatian text here. The third way in which the Bible talks about the Holy Spirit is, watch this. He talks about it in the word by saying he indwells the believer. Those who were there open their life. Okay, let me let, let Jesus talk for it. He, he teaches us here in John chapter 14, throw it up there, uh, beginning at, at verse 14. Here's what Jesus says. He's talking to all of y'all. Listen now. He's talking to y'all. He's talking to us. If you love me, Obey my commandments. This is the kind of prerequisite. Not flawless, but you got to be faithfully predisposed. All right? And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another. Shout another. Watch this word. Shout advocate. The, 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 the Greek is a paraclete. That it really translates. It can translate in a lot of different ways. It can be an advocate, somebody who will be my defense attorney. He, it can be a comforter when I'm going through pain and sickness and death. If you know God and the Spirit of God lives in you, He gives you a comfort within that gives you the strength to move through it. Come on, uh, it, it is the advisor, the the one who leads and guides. He's on all the roads. Come on now, now, now He's gonna prove it. Advocate who will never what come on didn't Jessica sing God said he's not gonna leave you next verse watch this he is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth this is what Paul is saying if you got spirit God in you 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 know what you ought to do because he's whispering in your ear come on now the world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him doesn't recognize him but you tell your neighbor he's talking to you he's talking to you but you but you Know him because he lives with you now, because Jesus was there. Watch this. And later on the other part of his resurrection, side of his resurrection, will be what? In you. Watch verse 23. Put it up there. Jesus says this. All who love me. Ask the person next to you, do you love Jesus? Do you, do, you, do you love Jesus? All who love me, here's how you know, will do what I say, will execute my instructions, will obey what I've asked of you. Come on now. And, and, and again, not flawlessly, but predisposed to faithfulness. And my Father will love them. Notice, watch the Trinity come here. And what? We, the Father and the Son, will come and make our what? Home. In other words, open up a spare bedroom. God is saying that the Father and the Son wants to move into the interior of your life. Come on now. Our home with each of them. All right, now let me give you a caution. God is saying the Father and the Son will move into your life, will live, will dwell within you. Now let me give you a caution. This does not mean that you are little gods. I once had a lady ask me during Bible study, say, well, if God dwells in you, in you, how come you're not God? I said, I said, and y'all can look at this. I said, look at this building. I said, electricity runs throughout this building. 
but you better know that the electricity running through it is not one. Come on now. If you doubt me, knock a hole in that wall and you're going to find there's some cables there and that electricity is running. Come on through the cable, but it's not one. Doubt me. Come on now. Cut the cable. Get that naked wire. Grab it. Then you'll be one. If the electricity can indwell this building and yet not be the same as, surely God, the creator of everything, can show up in you. And yet you not, don't confuse yourself. You're not a little God. Come on, tell the person next to you, pass that on. You're not a little God. Tell them. <laughs> All right, let me wrap this up and get this up. All right, so that's the Holy Spirit. So if you have claimed Jesus, it's easy. No, no hoops for you to jump through. If you claim Jesus as your Lord and as the Redeemer in your life, he says, I'm moving. He says, I'm in your life. You have, may not have thought about it. You may not have recognized it. Uh, you may not have been aware, but I've been in your life. As a matter of fact, if you look back through your history, you'll find places where I've been moving and you just missed it. Some of y'all are alive today because the Holy Ghost been in your life. Come on, come on. And he's saying, but I want you to work with me. I told a girl who's graduating, she's here from Switzerland. I met her earlier this morning. She's going back to school. I said, listen, work with the Holy Spirit. I said, why would you depend on yourself when you could depend on yourself plus God? Wow. All right. So shout, the fruit of the Spirit. All right, since he dwells within me, there's a seed. There's a, notice the word is singular, fruit. The suggestion is that it's one fruit with multiple aspects, nine different aspects. This is not a, uh, an inexhaustible list, uh, but, but, but these nine characteristics, come on now, are, are really part of one fruit, and the one fruit is really representative of the character of God. Now, in other words, if you look at God, and the word, you'll find all nine of these quote-unquote aspects in God. Let me prove it. Let me prove it real quick. As we race here to a conclusion. Listen to this. Let's just walk through the scriptures together and see where, how it goes. All right. First fruit is love. John says God is what? Love. Second is joy. Nehemiah says the joy of the Lord is my strength. Third is peace. Isaiah says God is the prince of peace. Next, patience. And Peter writes the Lord isn't really being slow about his promise as some people think. No, he's being patient. Shout patient. For your sake. He does not want anybody to be destroyed. He wants everybody to repent. The next one is kindness. When God our Savior revealed his kindness and love, he saved us because of the rights, not because of our righteous things, but because of his mercy. He washed away our sin. Look at that. The next one is goodness. Taste and see. The Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. The next one is faithful. If we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us for our sins and unrighteousness. Next one is gentle. Take my yoke upon you, Jesus says, and learn from me, for I am what? And humble. Actually, the word for gentle is translated better humble in heart. You will find rest for your soul. And then self-control. You have to see it directly in the life of Jesus. One day, the night that Jesus was arrested, the soldiers came around him. 
And Peter was from the hood. And he carried a blade. And when he felt threatened, come on now, he cut first and asked questions later. And so, and so the text says, come on, they got around him and Peter cut that man's ear off. All right. And then Jesus had to say, boy, put that, put, put that back. And he picked up the man's ear and put it back on miraculously. Come on now. And, uh, and then here's what he said. I'm talking about Jesus exercising self-control. Watch it. Here's what he said. Put away your sword. Jesus told him. Those who use the sword will die by the sword. Don't you realize, he watches self-control, that I could ask my father for thousands of angels to protect us and he would send them instantly. But, shall but, self-control, self-control. If I did, how would the scriptures be fulfilled that describe what must happen now? In other words, if he did, how would we be saved? All these expressions reveal God's character. Watch this. So if the Holy Ghost is in you, watch it, then God's character is in you. Well, how do I get it out? Okay, notice. Notice everybody shout love. Love, 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 love. If you look at it, every one of these uh, quote-unquote characteristics, they really reflect Love. So you really could say this. The fruit of the spirit is love, colon. Then list the rest. Come on now. Joy, peace, kindness. Go ahead. So forth and so on. Colon. Rhonda asked me the other day, she said, what is love? And I, and I said, you know, is it the, I'm thinking about it. Isn't that the question you asked? What is love? I mean, is it? What Luther Vandross sings about? <laughs> what, 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 what is love? What is love? Is it what you see in, 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 in some of these TV shows? No, no, no. What Paul means, he, he talks about a God kind of love. He calls it agape. Everybody shout agape. That's the word that's translated there. And here's the characteristics for, for what, what, what God kind of love is. And, and, and by the way, the rest of this series is going to unpack because they're going to be talking about this, so I'm going to come back at the end and talk more about love. But here's, here's what God kind of characteristics. A God kind of love is other person focused. It is unconditional. It has affection. It cares. It means you matter. Not because of what you do, but because of your intrinsic value. It, it, it has commitment, which means I'm tenaciously tied to you, regardless to how you bless me or not. And ultimately, it, 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 it has space for redeeming. It has this notion of redemption. All right. Now, one of my favorite movies is As Good As It Gets, Helen Hunt. And, and uh, what's his name? Nicholas. What's his first name? What is it? Jack Nicholas. That's it. Thank you. And, and, and Jack Nicholas is all messed up. He's a stick in the mud and he's just mean and ugly and all that. And, and he falls in love with Helen. Come on now. And Helen confronts him. She loves him. Helen uh, blesses him with grace. Helen works with him. And one day at the apex of the movie, he walks up to Helen and he says to her, he says, you make me want to be a better man. 
And he was, he was compulsive, obsessive. And so he used to, couldn't walk on cracks, so he'd walk all around like that. But come on now. But at the pinnacle of the movement, because of how she had loved him, as the movie ended, he was walking in a straight line, wasn't worried about the cracks. Shout redemption. And, and, and that's how the love of God is. And, and, and so your homework is go, as you go home, find five people that you say you love, and then see whether or not they measure up. You, your love, measure up. Now, here's what I can tell you. Probably don't. You know why? Because you can't love that way by yourself. You need the Holy Spirit. All right, here's what I'm going to show the picture of me in the future. Show it up there. The picture of me. This is going to be the picture of me. <laughs> I don't know why y'all laughing. That doesn't look like me. African American is got to shave. Come on, come on. Don't you see the resemblance? All right. All right. Now, let me, let me, let me, let me, watch me. Listen to me. Listen to me. I'm, I'm finished. Listen to me. Everything that makes him look like that, I have. I have the atomic molecular capacity. It's here. The only difference is, come on now, if I'm going to get it to come out like that, I got to what? Exercise. I got to work it out. Come on. That's what Paul means in verse 25. He said, so keep in step with the spirit. In other words, God has put everything in you. He's put it in you, but you've got you to step with the spirit and exercise. And not overnight, but over time. Come on now. He'll change you how you look. 